You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, good morning, Kensington. Let's all stand as we worship Jesus this morning. Your heart loves me. 
morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, how y'all doing? Good, good. <laughs> uh, for those of you guys who have not been here before, my name is Matthias. I'm one of the worship pastors around here. And uh, we're going to be actually singing a new song today called God of Revival. And uh, I have just really, really fallen in love with this song because um, I have taken the opportunity to, uh, in the midst of, you know, 2020 and COVID and all of the chaos happening right now, I, uh, I was able to take the opportunity to just kind of sit back and I felt the Lord's reminder to just sit back and watch what he's doing. And uh, it's been really awesome to see that in the midst of all the chaos, he is still bringing revival to so many places. Even in the parts and even in the places where it's dangerous for that to happen. And something he's been reminding me of, and I shared this a little bit at midweek a few weeks ago, is that sometimes we as a church, we get so caught up in the mission of the kingdom that we forget to pursue the presence of God. And I think that when we pursue the presence of God, it makes us far more effective in his mission. And I look at, uh, I was reading Exodus 33, I think it's verse 14. I could be wrong. Um, but Moses is basically pleading with God. God just said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deliver on my promise to y'all. And, and I'm gonna take you to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. My presence won't be there with you. And Moses turns around and he pleads with him. He says, God, he basically says, I would rather be in the wilderness with your presence than go to the promised land without it. And there was this desperate desire for his presence that I think that God kind of wanted him. I think he wanted Moses to want that. And I think he wants us, he longs for us to want and yearn and desire for his presence to abide in relationship with him. He says, I think it's James, you're gonna, you're gonna have to tell me, Chris, it's, Chris, it's uh, John 15, five, divine, cool. <laughs> um, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me as I abide in you. Because we're, we're, when we're abiding in relationship with Jesus, the fruit we bear is far more effective. And so that's why I love this song because without the presence of God, revival doesn't happen. And I, I, my prayer is that we will be so consumed with his presence that we will understand that that is what makes us distinct. As a church, it's not, it's not coming to church every week. It's not doing all these good things for everybody else, which are not bad things. Those, those things are not, I'm not saying that in a negative way. But that's not what makes us distinct. Even in that, uh, following that story in Exodus, Moses said, is, is your presence not what makes us distinct? People seeing that you are dwelling with us, that's what makes us distinct. That's what sets us apart. So my prayer is that that's what we would pursue, is his presence and abiding in a relationship with him.
chains hit the ground Oh God of revival Pour it out Pour it out For your spirit out For your spirit out Yeah For your spirit out Oh for your spirit out Oh God come fall afresh on us Awaken your city. We are awake. Thank you. So beautiful. Good morning. How y'all doing today? Everybody feeling awake? Isn't, I mean, I don't know about you, but Sunday mornings, I just come expecting that fill up. And I wonder why I'm not doing it like every day, just playing something in the morning and just putting my arms out and getting it because it is such a huge deposit. It was beautiful. We are so glad that you're here today. My name is Susan. I'm part of the Orion team. If we haven't met, come and say hi to me out in the lobby. And also say hi to our hub table because that is filled with everything you need to know about upcoming events and small groups. And we're gonna be gathering soon to, to uh, connect some small groups. So definitely start thinking about what you wanna do in the fall. I have a few things I wanna let you all know about. The first thing is that it's back to school soon. Parents, are you aware of that? How do you feel about that? You excited? Everybody pretty happy? Bittersweet, right? I don't know. It was always bittersweet for me when my kids were little, but maybe more on the sweet side when it actually got back, especially after the last year. So it's going to be great. We are collecting some back-to-school supplies with our school partners, and we would love to give you an opportunity to be a part of that. So you'll see some bins out in the lobby, and you can also go online to kensingtonchurch.org, school partners, make a donation. These schools really need our help. They've been great partners with us, so please consider doing that. We would love to have you do that. Also, who's been a part of Getaway, formerly known as Smash? Anybody from Smash? All right, we, re we renamed it. It's called Getaway because we were kind of done with Smash. Nobody really understood it fully, so we're going to get away, though, and we're going to do it for one day on September 18th. We're going to Durfee Innovation Center, and we're going to have some experiential teaching. So we're going to actually be creating things as we listen to speakers. It's going to be a pretty amazing day. You're going to want to sign up. There's only a certain amount of spots. Get your phone out and do that. I don't mind at all. Check into that. 
I want to celebrate Rock Your Family, too. How many of you were there yesterday? I know I've seen a few families that came in. Yep, there was a few of you there. So we had a couple hundred people gather together at Covenant Hills just to be with this community and all of the campuses to meet other families, kids to play with kids, to blob, to zip line, to hear a great message from Steve Andrews and some other speakers. It was an incredible day. I grabbed that shot of the kids while they were waiting for lunch. They were, they were so fun. Uh, anyway, you guys, these are the kinds of things that we love to do to build community here. And today, by the way, we're going to start with a new series called Welcome to the Neighborhood. So we are really working hard to make sure that we are connected and that we know each other. So will you do me a big favor? Will you stand up? Will you say howdy, neighbor? And tell the person next to you if you're more like Mr. Rogers or Wilson from Tool Time. Come on now, Wilson from Tool Time or Mr. Rogers? Come on. you guys go out of your way to say hi to people that just delights me that's so great okay uh, confession I'm definitely more like Wilson I like to just pop my head up and give unsolicited advice as much as possible so I aspire to be like mr. Rogers but in reality it's a Wilson thing so if you haven't seen tool time watch it it's on reruns reruns and it's pretty amazing all right you guys before we get started we're gonna take a look at a highlight reel of all of the things that we were able to accomplish over the past 12 months. And we all know they were a pretty challenging 12 months. But with us linking arms as a church body, God allowed us to do some incredible things locally and globally. So take a minute and check this out. When we think about this past year, I'm sure many of us feel like we've traveled way more than just once around the sun. Was it really just 365 days as usual? I'm not sure. But so much good has happened at Kensington in this year like no other, which is evidence of God's grace and his presence. God is moving and it is so humbling to be a part of it. So let me ask you a question. What image comes to your mind when you think of a source of heat or energy? Maybe you're thinking of the sun, how its rays push back the darkness, or maybe even thinking about sound waves rushing out from a source. This is just a simple mental image of how God works right here at Kensington. At the center is God, and through us, his love and transforming power are radiating out to impact our church, our local communities, our nation, and even our world. God's power is limitless, and what he can do through a community of imperfect people who are passionate about the one is measureless. So let's celebrate together all he's done in our community this past year. Last June, our Traverse City campus relaunched in-person services, and in July, we reopened the rest of our campuses with limited capacity. Being able to gather together in the same place was so memorable and energizing. Our online presence is also very important. Over the past year, our services have been viewed more than 219,000 times. At most campuses, students return to K-Kids and student programs in November. But prior to that, our teams worked hard to provide ways to connect virtually and engage in creative ways. 
There were video lessons, carefully assembled monthly curriculum bags, over 3,500 total. And campuses hosted all kinds of connection events for families. We also encouraged over 1,000 families with free online faith and the family events, including Faith Habits in the Family, Coping with Anxiety and Stress with Dr. Jack Wilson, Raising Godly Girls, Raising Godly Boys, and No Perfect Parents with Kensington co-founders Dave and Ann Wilson. Over the past year, we supported marriages in a variety of ways. 250 couples picked up a holiday date night kit, over 400 people attended our online marriage course, and 174 marriage mentors personally encouraged other couples. With God at the center, radiating out his love, we can bravely step toward wholeness and community because we know it is God's nature to heal and redeem. Celebrate Recovery was the first ministry to return to in-person meetings last July. And before that, they held drive-by chip celebrations, recognizing each person's commitment to recovery and finding freedom through Jesus. At Kensington, we love celebrating baptisms. As people rise up out of the water, they are resurfacing with new life in Jesus. Last year, we held off-site baptisms in January and campus baptisms in May. Whether those 93 people were taking the plunge in a swim school or in front of a live congregation, this is an example of God at the center and change rippling out. Best way to describe at least my decision uh, for to choose to be baptized is really, really boiled down to like the three C's for yeah. me is um, the celebration, the commitment, and the choice. So as much as I can appreciate it, it's certainly a public declaration. For me, at least, it was certainly a very, very personal uh, declaration between me and God. If you joined us for Good Friday and Easter this spring, you know that the creative elements and the beautiful teaching on the humanity of Jesus left a powerful impression. More than 8,200 of you joined us for in-person services and over 12,000 of you joined us online. And there was a special original video created for our kids and watched by more than 800 families, which included an Easter explosion, a running pineapple, but most importantly, a lesson on the resurrection of Jesus. Let's talk about how God's love radiated out beyond our walls to impact our local communities. We call this putting love into action, moving out. They cared for the homeless, delivered food boxes, sewed masks, and provided meals for frontline workers, wrote notes of encouragement to teachers and staff, planted community gardens, provided learning resources to students, visited the elderly, tutored students, refurbished cars, and so much more. School partners amped up their back-to-school supply drive to help resource students for remote learning. Clinton Township partnered with Forgotten Harvest to launch a weekly mobile food pantry. Brazil Campus launched their first move-out team, the Tabitha Project, to love and serve those in need. Traverse City launched six new move-out teams, serving the under-resourced, mentoring students, and supporting foster families. We understand that holidays are hard for many people, especially during a pandemic. We're so grateful for the resources and volunteers which allowed us to put together and deliver 1,500 Thanksgiving baskets to local families from our partner schools. Again, at Christmas, we asked ourselves how best to serve our neighbors, and that was through you directly, the people in our seats. During services, we invited you to receive a $25 Meyer gift card or give it to someone in need. People responded wildly to this, often sharing the cards with others. And we gave away cards totaling over $21,000, which impacted over 600 families. 
With God at the center as a never-ending, never-drying-up source, we don't have to ration out our resources. Instead, we turn with open hearts and hands toward the spiritual or physical needs within our state and nation. We're dedicated to planting new churches all over the country. To date, we have planted 97 churches nationally. And many of these churches have gone on to plant more churches, which means hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. have heard about the hope and love of Jesus. This year, we've been working with seven new churches, all at different stages in the launching process. Imagine a major flood in the middle of this pandemic. When we offered a way to help Midland, you all jumped at the chance to bring hope to a devastating situation. We partnered with one of our move out teams, Draw, Disaster Relief at Work, to provide essential supplies for immediate and long-term recovery efforts. During one Sunday morning in February, we shared that hundreds of thousands in Texas were without power and millions without water. And once again, partnering with our move out team, Draw, you immediately responded by donating over $20,000, funding more than half of the delivery and distribution of 4,600 cases of water to Houston, Dallas, and Tyler. At Kensington, we believe that we are called to show the love of God by meeting needs in His name around the globe. With God as the source, we reach out to build relationships and share resources with global partners in 10 different countries. Over the past year, we as a community have been supporting these on-the-ground leaders in two different ways. We help sustain them and the work they do in their local communities, and we stepped in when an emergency struck to equip them. When India experienced a second dangerous wave of COVID, our partner's private hospital was converted into an emergency COVID site at the request of the Indian government. I'm standing in front of the CM hospital, which is being used as COVID grade A hospital. And many lives are being saved in this pandemic situation of second wave of COVID-19. And many people are witnessing God's healing. We shared their need for beds, equipment, and supplies. And this open-handed community gave $200,000 to support them as they saved lives. Our partner Reuben in South Sudan shared that by God's grace, good things were still happening among the tribe he's working with. 40 churches were planted, 523 people became followers of Jesus, and 55 people were baptized. Last year in Afghanistan, where law prohibits converting to Christianity, our partner distributed more than 120,000 Bibles. The Hope Water Project team showed some creativity in order to support its mission to bring clean water to the Pokot tribe of Western Kenya. When we weren't able to hold our traditional fundraising events, there was an out-of-the-box virtual challenge called Every Mile Counts. People could walk, run, cycle, hold a movie marathon, or anything to raise money to dig clean water wells. And guess what? This community raised just over $170,000, which will dig six wells in Kenya. Literally thousands of lives will be changed. Education will be possible. Churches can be built. Herds can remain healthy, and these villages can thrive. One of the highlights of this year has been the church planning initiative of our newest global partner. We recently shared our goal of planting 1,000 churches in northern India, which is a predominantly Hindu region. Our partnership with the Timothy Initiative will allow us to launch new churches for just $300 each. In just a few months' time, you have given over $200,000, which is 75% of the way to our goal. Only answer to reach these places is disciple makers who plant churches. And this is the only way that we can reach this huge number of villages.
Wow. It is so incredible to hear about what God has done here and around the world through Kensington over the past year. Each one of you is an integral part of who we are and how we're blessing others in Jesus' name. You've probably heard it said before that the church is not the building and let's be the church the other six days of the week. And when you really listen to these two phrases, you hear how beautiful they are and how they reflect the heart of God. And it reflects you. You've been that church. Thank you for giving your time and your financial gifts and your talents to make an impact on the lives of others. And in all of this, God's at the center. He's the source and our privilege is to radiate out his love and light to the farthest most reaches of the earth. And I do wanna finish with a challenge for all of us, really two challenges. If this past year and what you've experienced has disconnected you from this community, I just urge you to please take steps to reconnect. We are better together. We need each other. Come back to an in-person service. Reach out to that friend or small group. Open yourself up again. And if you're here and connected, my challenge for you and me is this, let's continue. Let's keep pressing into the difficulties that life brings us, that we're all experiencing. And I would say maybe most of all, let's keep our hearts soft, soft to Jesus and to each other and to, to those in need. And keep our hands in a posture of open-handedness. That's always been our dream. And I just wanna finish by saying a huge thanks to all of you. I cannot thank God enough for you and I can't wait to see how God will work through us this coming year. <laughs> Pretty sweet. Wow. Great to see everybody. So, so, I cannot tell you how much fun I've had today, not just speaking, but being in the lobby and then had a bunch of beautiful, in depth conversations with people one on one. Today, it's just the fun of being in the church, being in relationship is really sweet. And I, I was listening to that again. Um, of all the annual reports that we've ever prepared, this was the one that I was least looking forward to because of all the changes the last 18 months. It was so crazy and so much pressure on people. And when the team put together what we were able to actually do this year, I was like, wow, wasn't such a terrible year after all, you know? And I thought, because, and I just thought you, you and I both need that good news to see what God is doing in the world. And, and, and I want you to know something, when you look at some of those places, like you see that clean water coming out in Kenya, or you see the face of Reuben and the church planting he's doing in South Sudan, or you see um, uh, Prashanth uh, Sankar standing in front of the hospital, these people are some of my most beloved friends. They're not strangers. They're neighbors, right? They're friends. And it's just like today when I was in the lobby, as people were coming in, all of a sudden there were people that I hadn't seen in months or hadn't seen in a year. And it was, just, it was a reunion, right? And then I see, then I see some people I can't get rid of, you know, they're just, they're everywhere. But that's supposed to be funny, but you're, everybody's looking like, who's he pointing at? Uh, that's funny. I'm not telling. Um, but to see the things we get a, to be a part of are so encouraging. Even though we're imperfect, deeply flawed people, Jesus 
lets us be used. And, and here's what's cool about the, where we're going today in this new series, Welcome to the Neighborhood, is that what we're talking about today is there's no one in this room that's going to go, well, that, that's not me. That doesn't, I, I, that's not my situation. No, what, what we're talking about of strangers becoming neighbors, the only way that can happen is if every one of us has a vision of saying, I don't want that person to be a stranger anymore. I want him to be a neighbor. And so as we think about that, you can actually go on our Kensington app today and kind of get an update uh, if, um, called uh, Helping Haiti. If you'd like, you, you can make it, again, like so many of the things that we've done, just you can go, in, you can go on the app and, and, and make a gift to uh, our partners in the Dominican Republic, Go Ministries, which is uh, our church planning movement in Dominican Republic. They're on the, remember, they're on the same island as Haiti, and they're really prepared to go in and help and support. And I do feel so sad, because we've worked a lot in Haiti through the years. We have a partner there that, um, it's just, wow, you just wonder, Lord, how long does the suffering have to go on? It's just, it's really hard to, hard to feel it. And then in, in Afghanistan, to be honest, with our partners that are kind of in the mountainous region between pa- Pakistan and Afghanistan, there's been virtually no communication at all. But we do know that many Christians in Afghanistan the last couple of weeks have been notified by the Taliban to say, we know who you are, we know where you are. And so I was thinking about as, as uh, Matthias was leading us through that last song and we were like, Lord, pour, pour out your love and your care. Imagine if you and I were singing that quietly, huddled in a house, waiting for the people that were going to come and torture us and execute us. This is not 2,000 years ago. This is believers in Jesus Christ who are our brothers and sisters, and it's right now. And so for our privilege to have to have been a part of the movement of Jesus in these places is just absolutely incredible. And I want to thank you for, for making, making it a, an amazing year this last year despite despite all of this. And you know what? The thing that I love about this community is this community is so powerful, scattered. I was uh, at Rock Your Family yesterday. Uh, uh, Nick Truitt, uh, one of our drummers, plays mostly at Clinton Township. His daughter at a family reunion fell off the back of a golf cart, hit her head on a rock in in the road, spent six days in intensive care at Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor, and they literally, for several days, didn't, didn't know, like, she's going to live or die and this whole thing. And he said that, like, the third or fourth day, all of a sudden, he got a, got a notice, and he looked, and there <clears throat> with his friends that he's kind of on social media, his friends on, had created a GoFundMe page, and there had been, like, six or $8,000 given to help for them, which is going to have so many huge, you know, medical expenses for their daughter. By the way, she's home and really doing well. She's going to have to drop out of cheerleading this year. She's 14. But, but I, I just wish I could tell you, I hear these stories all, all day long, every day, of the serving people. Or like you, you saw that on that screen, the 174 marriage mentors that are helping other marriage. It just, God's movement is everywhere through the body of Christ here. And we get to be a part of the church around the world. It really is thrilling. So I'd love to, to receive our offering right now. And uh, that, that text will come up. And uh, I just want to say that uh, I love this. 
because we actually lie when we take the offering. It's always good to kick. It says you can give in less than 10 seconds on the Kensington app. That's true if you're under 30. If you're, if you're over 45, it takes you about two and a half minutes. But don't feel bad when younger people are looking at you and feeling pity over you. It's still worth the humiliation to be a part of what God's doing here, okay? But let's just, before I jump into today's message, I want to pray for our neighbors, our friends that, that we'll probably never get to meet in Afghanistan and in Haiti. Would you pray, just take a minute as we start this day. Lord, today we're talking about turning strangers into neighbors, and all I can think of is Jesus you didn't stay a stranger, like you came close. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we've been able to love and support people all over the world, but especially in Haiti and in Afghanistan for years now, people that we never see, but in heaven, they're going to be like this unbelievable reunion. And I think especially of our brothers and sisters in Pakistan and Afghanistan who actually don't know if they're going to even live out this week. My heart is broken for them. And yet, like we sang today, Lord, and as Matthias shared, we want, we want to know and experience that you're enough, that you're enough in our lives, even when everything gets stripped down to the core, that you're enough. And as they stare death and uncertainty in the face, Lord, let us live with an eye open to how we can turn strangers into neighbors, how we can really open up our hearts to people and open up our hearts, not grow calloused by all the overwhelming news we get, but that, that our hearts would remain soft to you. I want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank, thank you. Thank you for just praying in your hearts with me for that. And for those of you that are on the stream that, that we care, I love this. And I love it because this question of how do we love our neighbor, because Jesus Remember, someone asked Jesus, what are the great, what's the greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Listen, that's not easy to do. Especially if I'm your neighbor. But loving our neighbor conceptually is something we talk about. But to actually demonstrate it in meaningful interaction, this is a life-changing, world-changing question. And I'm going to really focus today on the person across the street or the person next door. But you've got to know with me, I'm always thinking... I told you, remember a couple weeks ago that one of my visions, as soon as things open up, I want to get to Sudan with Reuben and remember, experience what's happening there. And I realize that's dangerous, but those people are my lifelong friends. I've never met them yet, but I'm willing to risk the danger of being on the roads in South Sudan with Reuben. He, Reuben risks it every, you know, every day. But So that's a neighbor, but I'm also thinking about a lot of you don't have that opportunity, but you are close to people. Dennis, you just moved to a new city. Like, like God's going to open up your eyes, right, to the people that are there. So how do we learn to interact with our neighbors? Well, we thought it would be fun to kick this whole series off with a question of, do you even know who your neighbors are? Take a look at this. Not too well. Uh, we've been in our house in the Detroit Ferndale area just for about two months. Not, Not that well. well. Pretty well. I don't know them that well. Not very well. I don't know mine well either because they live so far like away. I know some really well and then some not as well. Pretty well. Okay. Yeah, pretty well. Um, Kim, what's the other one? Donna, Mel, 
That's a lie. I don't know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yvette, Danielle, Nikki, Mary Claire, Melissa. I think someone who's friendly, helpful if you need it, but minds their own business. I guess being considerate to to us, like not mowing the lawn at six in the morning. They must have pets, specifically dogs. <laughs> you can rely on them when you need to. In an apartment setting, quiet, no smoking, uh, you know, uh, friendly. Neighbors who help each other out, kind of look out for each other. Somebody who's always like in your business. I have one of those neighbors. A neighbor that yells all of the time or is like always blasting loud music. Like, or when they like have animals but they don't like keep control of them so they're going all over your yard or something. Really loud and, yeah. and obnoxious. Gigi, Daniela, Evan, Chad, and Stephanie. There's Tom and Deanna, and there's Joel and his wife, uh, I can't remember her name. So no, that's as good as I can do for you. We always had our neighbors come over and, and visit when the kids were babies, and I always, I always liked that. Let me pet their dogs. <laughs> Let me spend the night when like I couldn't have my house because I got locked out. My neighbor always takes care of my lawn when I'm not home or something. A couple weeks ago when we had the tornado, warning i was at work and i was unable to be home with my children they allowed my children to come down for better safety annette joe tom cindy and matt debbie aubrey heather and i want to say lisa <laughs> put a video camera on the back of his garage that um taped me in my backyard and I didn't know it. We have neighbors that have parked their cars in front of our house and we have to kind of squeeze our garbage cans into this one zone. Called the cops and animal control on my dog and then hold the cops <laughs> my dog's Um, One of my neighbors has like a really scary dog and it like chases after people. When we were building a pool, I had the my neighbor call the city and make us move all of our lines because they were convinced it was on their property when it wasn't. He was mowing the lawn and him and his wife got in a fight and when he was done mowing the lawn, his wife started doing donuts in the yard to mess up the newly mowed lawn. So that was, I mean, it was funny, but it was quite the scene. <laughs> One of my neighbors has a really big dog and it peed on our lawn and left a huge yellow stain. My neighbor's dog tried to attack my dog and then yelled at me for keeping my dog not under control. My coworker, her neighbor stole her dog and then sold it and then they never saw the dog again. Susan, Michelle, Sue's mom, Sue, Dan and Nancy, and Mike's on the other side, and John's on the other side of him. And across the street is Tim's son, Tom. He's the winner. <laughs> that is so good. Okay, what's the moral of the story? You can go home now, get rid of your dog, because your dog is a neighbor problem. <laughs> is that funny? I'm sure people might, I, I have a, 17-pound Papillon. It's kind of overgrown, but has the worst bark in the world. I know, I know my neighbors are totally bugged by that. So listen, we're called to love our neighbor, and yet there's some of the people we know the least, right? How is it that God gives us such a simple vision, and yet our neighbors often remain purely just strangers that we live near? There has to be a better way. There's got to be a better renewed vision for our lives especially after this season of lockdowns and distance. And a renewed vision, to me, is needed for the power and the art of neighboring. And I, I want to thank Justin Warrens from our Birmingham, leader of our Birmingham campus, 
he was the leader on this message. And I, I love that he added this quote from the Art of Neighboring books. is when we try to love everyone, we often end up loving no one. If we're not intentional, we end up having metaphorical love for our metaphorical neighbors. And the end result is that we actually do very little. It's actually, in the, in the area of social media, I've seen this in, in my children's generation. It's, it, I've seen this generation very concerned, but a lot of them are frozen on what to do next. And we always used to tell the starfish story. Somebody, remember a guy walking down the beach and he's picking up, a, you know, there's thousands of starfish on the beach and he starts throwing a starfish back into the ocean. And the guy says, why are you wasting your time? Look at all these starfish. He said, it doesn't, it's not going to make a difference. And he picks up a starfish and says, well, it makes a difference to this one, right? You got to start somewhere in terms of stepping out and doing something. That's where when I met Julius in seminary, he was the first Pocot tribesman to study in the United States. I didn't know that someday we would have dug a couple of hundred wells to the tune of millions and millions of dollars or had the thousands of orphan, orphans that we would have supported or all the, all the churches. I didn't know any of that. It just started with sitting down next to someone and going, hey, how you doing? Huh, I can tell you're from Kenya. Where are you from, man? I said, what tribal group are you from? He goes, I'm, from, I'm Pocot. I'm like, holy smokes. I've never met a Pocot person. I've been praying for you for 12 years. I mean, God does that kind of stuff. But so all of a sudden, everything that happens, not because it's like some theoretical group on the other side of the world, these are people that we love. And we've had hundreds of Kensington people interact in meaningful ways. And that's just one thing, right? Strangers into neighbors. Like if I could wave a magic wand on a Sunday morning and transport all of you to northwestern Kenya to a pastor's conference where a couple hundred pastors are gathered and have you just sit in the back with me and hear them sing. I mean, you would never be the same. You just, your life, your life would be changed. And here's the truth. Loving strangers is not easy, right? And I, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't think I've been that great of a neighbor. In my, I actually remember a neighbor about 10 years ago Came, came, walked down three houses down and said, I'm tired of your dog pooping in our yard. And this was our first dog, it was eight pound Papillon. He would poop about this big. But it was still irritating to my neighbor. Uh, and, and I was kind of mad at her and I thought, you know what? Good for her. She came down and had a forthright conversation and, I, and it actually made me a better person. So I'm not a very good neighbor. And I do remember this. Maybe my favorite neighbor story. I grew up in Memphis, and we, we, we lived in a, homes were a pretty big area. They were old, like our, our home was like 1910 built. It's a big old gray stonewall house. And our front yard wasn't huge, but it was, it was pretty nice size. about the size of this stage and kind of the same width, width and length. And our neighbor who lived the, the house on the corner of Overton Park and, and Buena Vista um, had a beautiful yard, and it was the same size as our yard. Well, between these two yards, it made a perfect football field. Hello? I mean, we, you know, it was like, you know, 20 yards wide and about 60 yards long. And man, we, rain or shine, we had this. And, and, and Mr. Robinson would come out and say, guys, you're tearing out my yard. Please, you know, please stop. And we'd, and we'd stop and we'd be all mad. And then 
Another day, we thought he wasn't home. We'd go back playing, you know, using his yard, man. And, you know, it's where I became, you know, that led me to being an incredible quarterback for a powerhouse of the Midwest, Wheaton College. And, uh, and so I remember, like it was yesterday, I was probably nine or, no, I, I, would, I would have been probably 11. It's right before I went to Kenya. I remember walking out in the front yard with all my buddies because my brother... He had already had my brothers for 20 years ahead of me. My brothers had been playing with their friends in the front yard long before me. And I came out and I, and I realized that he had a group of guys building just a one, one stretch fence between our yard, of chain link between his yard and our yard. Jerk. <laughs> and we used to just criticize him because he loved his grass and so forth. Well, man, I hated the guy. And I never, and didn't talk to him, didn't think anything about it. Went to Africa as a missionary because I love Jesus with my parents, you know. Still hated the next door neighbor. No, I'm a, oh, I'm going to love the people in Africa. I hate this guy right here, right? That's what we do. So I came back next year. I was 13, and I was jumping out Saturday morning. I remember because my dad, it was very unusual my dad, that we weren't playing golf in the summertime. It was like August that we were not fishing or tennis or golf. And But I was running off my bike to see some friends, and I came around the Went, went around his house and turned the corner on, on a Buena Vista, Buena Vista. And I, as I passed, his, his driveway was on that street over there. And I looked in the back, and I saw him laying in the grass. It was like 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And it's August in Memphis. I mean, it's like you could die laying out in the sun in Memphis in August. I mean, it's terrible. And it was enclosed space back there. And, and I realized he was moaning, and I ran over there. Well, he had been cutting his lawn with his flip-flops on and he had slipped and thrown his right foot under the under the lawnmower and this is you know what 50 years ago you know and the lawnmower just kept going in fact the lawnmower was still going and he's laying there in the grass and he literally cut a third of his foot off in the, in the lawnmower and I could I mean, I was in shock. I could see he was in shock. I didn't know what to do. I saw a lawn chair. I ran over to the side of the house, grabbed a lawn chair, and I got behind him. I was, you know, I was six feet tall, 13, and, and, and I got behind him, and between him and me, I was able to get him in the chair. I'm like, I'm going to go get my dad. And I ran to my dad. I said, Dad, Mr. Robinson just cut his foot off, and you got to come right now. My dad was a general surgeon. Dad's like, okay, son. You know, doctors, you just... You, you can't live with them, and you can't live without them, you know? Like, Dad, stop drinking your coffee. Mr. Wright's in the backyard. You're like, So we go over there. Dad starts to take care of him, uh, waits till the ambulance come, goes, visits him later. He had a pretty long journey, learned how to walk again. He was an old guy, probably 48 or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, but here's what happened. We became friends. He always spoke to me. He'd always go out of his way. Uh, you know, I, even when I got married and finished college and come back, I was probably almost 30 when he died. And, uh, but it took a tragedy for us to become friends. I thought, isn't that interesting? And it happened because he had a tragedy. And it wasn't the tragedy. But it's like when you get behind another person, and you put your hands in their armpits and you lift them up onto a chair, you get close, changes everything. Some of the greatest problems in our world is we're mad at people we're never close to. 
Like think of the people you most are most irritated by in the world today when you get stuck in your news cycle. They're human. They, they, they have hearts. They struggle. They're afraid. Like people come down here and talk to me and, and, it's, and you're the same way. You're like, hey, how's it going? You're talking, talking. And then about 10 minutes in, the tears start to come, and you start to hear the real story of people's lives. Jesus came close. We need to do what Mr. Rogers said. Mr. Rogers, that great theologian. Listening, he said, is where love begins. Isn't that a great line? Listening is where love begins. He says, we get so wrapped up in numbers in our society. The most important thing is that we're able to be one-to-one, you and I, with each other at the moment. If we could be present in the moment with the person we happen to be with, that's what matters. You know, we live, if, if I could wave a magic wand and change the church in the West, I wish so many of the pastors and leaders of churches would be, that we'd be more in the moment and less about posting something or seeing something. You know, I, I just have a different vision of what success is, I think, the older I've got. You know what I think success is? If, if, if you stay close to Jesus you stay close to others, if you got eight or 10 people that are gonna weep around your deathbed because they knew you loved them and you love them, that's at, the, that's at the heart of success. If you got 10,000 strangers on Facebook or on Instagram, that, those people are important, right? And, and I realize that we live in a world to do that, but that's not the world. The world is if you and I can have a conversation and I can know your heart, I know your pain, I know your fears, and you get close. That's why the Bible is all about the incarnation. God loved the world so much. He didn't stay a stranger. He came into our space. And we need that vision. And by the way, you go back to nearly the beginning of the Bible when God earmarked Abraham to be the person to build the nation of Israel and build the nation that was going to be a blessing. Look at what God said to him. This is so cool. You can go back and read the whole thing in Genesis 12 and by the way, if you've never read the book of Genesis, it's so fascinating. But God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing, and I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a great, great statement. By the way, into a great nation, he talking about I'm going to bless the peoples of the earth. The word nations and people here is the word would be in the Greek, uh, would be the word uh, uh, ethnos in Hebrew. Um, it's, it's the goyim. It's, it's, it's all the peoples of the earth. It's every tribal group, every language group, every distinct group that's in the world. There's, ten, there's tens of thousands of these groups. It's, it's, that What I'm going to do with you, Abraham, is going to be good for everybody. But here's what the people of Israel did. So put, put it up on the screen again. The people of Israel crossed out two of these lines. They crossed out the line, and you'll be a blessing. And they crossed out the line, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. They love the part where God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless you. You're like, cool, I love that. I'm going to be blessed. And, and then they love the part and said, yeah, and if people curse you, I'm going to curse them. If they bless you, I'm going to bless. People are like, yeah, I'm totally into that. But they forgot the other part. They forgot that the whole purpose was that you'd be a blessing to others. Now listen, I do funerals all the time to the point where it's, it's, it's really gotten hard because 
I'm burying people that I've loved and people serving me for years and years and years. I haven't done one funeral yet where I get up and go, hey, you know Bob here? Bob got, had more blessings than anybody I ever knew. Man, Bob, great blessings. He was just loaded down with blessing after blessing after blessing. You ever hear? I've never heard that in a funeral. Because nobody cares how many blessings you have. You know what makes a funeral great? You go, Bob, man, Bob was a what? He was a blessing to what? To others. Like he didn't, like he didn't, like he, it wasn't about Bob, it was about what about Bob? It wasn't what about Bob, it was about what he gave away. It was a vision of blessing. And I wanna say to you, I really think this is the pathway to that deeper level of joy that you want. Listen, I mean, I've, I've lived an unbelievable life. I, I mean, somebody can go, man, Andrew, he was so blessed. Like, who cares? I don't, I don't want to be remembered for that. I'd love for somebody to go, uh, he was a blessing to me. I'd like at least one of my four kids to say that. It's a lot funnier than you're acting right now. That's funny. <laughs> two, okay, two. But this vision that God gave Abraham was a vision of blessing, to be a blessing. And you'll read that if you were to read the Bible. By the way, the Bible is confusing. You read the Old Testament, it's, you've got to really see it as a narrative and as an arc. And it's not a perfect de definition of how people were supposed to be ever. But when you read the history of Israel, you learn that they fiercely resisted this vision. They did not want to be a blessing to the world. They wanted to close the world off. They were surrounded by enemies. They were surrounded by enemies. They wanted to close the world off. Anybody want to close the world off when you feel pressure? How many of us want to close the world off? Oh, come on, raise your hands. The others of you are liars. No, when the pressure's on, you want to, I want to just like get protective. That's what the people of Israel did. Here's what's beautiful. This story to Abraham was all about Jesus coming someday to be the blessing to the whole world. It's all about this ark, this movement of God. Acts 17, uh, the apostle Paul, one of the, 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 the great, unlikely, most unlikely apostles was preaching in Acts 17 to a group of people that were, had never even heard about Jesus and he's given them a, a history lesson. He goes from one man, Adam we're talking about, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Like you can still see that. If some of you have been with me to Pocot, the first question that people always ask me when I go to Northwest Kings is like, why do people live here? This is, this is God forsaken. Why would anybody live here? You know why? Because in the midst of tribal wars and historic conflict, the boundary lines got drawn. The Pocot got the short end of the stick from the Rindili and the Turkana and the Karamajong. This is their boundaries. They're not good. You, you and I, growing up here, much better boundary lines. Oh, it's a little hot today, a little humid. It's called a first world problem. And funnier, thank you. <laughs> so God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. And then he says this amazing thing. Though he's not far from any one of us, you know how Paul's speaking to this group of philosophers and the wisest people of the age of that time, and he says, you know what? The thing I want you to know is, God, he's not far away. He's not, he's not in the heavens. He's not, 
Like he came close for God so loved the world. He came close. You see that? He's trying to, he's trying to just like tease people into thinking about what could God really be close? Could God care about my life? You know, when I was growing up, when I was your age, I remember I remember being, being sitting in church going, I'm just a kid. Does God, does God really care about my life? He's, he's far away. Like, does he even notice me? The answer is, yeah, he does. He's not far away. And so, Jesus came, obviously, to be a blessing to the whole world. The nation of Israel was created. We came to Jesus for the same reason, to be a blessing. And back to that great theologian, Mr. Rogers, he said, the real issue in life is not how many blessings you have, but what you do with your blessings. Some people have blessings and hoard them. And some have very few and yet give everything away. You know what I would say? That's Jesus' vision for all of us, whether you have many blessings or few, blessings become wonderful when you give them away. I've learned something in my life. Something, something's just crazy to me. I know a lot of people. I'm like a lot of you, you know, in the winter world, we, you know, so many people. I sat down, I was just sitting back with a, I don't know, a guy that well back in the green room, right uh, at service. We just had a 10-minute conversation. We shared a journey with our mothers, kind of some funny stories that we were sharing. And, and you know, I just found, I just remember leaving going, man, he's a cool guy. You know, yeah, I love that guy. I just, there was a, a feeling of warmth like this. And here's what I learned. Love is a renewable resource. The more you use it, the more you have. Generosity is a renewable resource. The more, you, the more you give it, the more you have, the more you, the more you see. People treat life like it's a zero-sum game, like you only get X amount of time and X amount of energy. You know what? I just don't think that's true. I think God has given every one of us an incredible opportunity to experience the renewable resource of the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts by his Holy Spirit that gives you an opportunity to love people. And when you open up your people and when you step out of whatever it was that was comfortable, you find that there's so much more to give. You know what I think life has been like? I would say, if people ask me what my life's been like, my life has been five loaves and two fish. Or is it five fish and two loaves? I can never remember. It's like, I said, so what do you, what do you got? I got five loaves and two fish. Or wait a second, is it fish or loaves? And what does Jesus do? Hey, everybody sit down. We're going to have a feast, and there's going to be baskets full left over because love is a renewable resource. Let's just say that together. Love is what? It's a renewable resource. You're like, oh, my gosh, if I, if I join one of the move-out teams, I'm just not going to have time because I'm busy in my work, and, you know, and if I give generous, I'm, I'm not going to have enough. No, no, man. Let me tell you. You can't outgive God. You can't outlove God. And the more you love, the more you feel love for the people that are closest to you. And you can't believe how God opens up your heart. There's a great Bible story that I, I want to just take a few minutes here today uh, at the end of this service and have you think about. I don't have tons of time, but I want to read it to you. And I, I just I want to give it to you as a template. It's 1 Kings 17. It's Elijah, the great prophet. He's He's literally hundreds of years after, after Abraham and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. But he's a prophet 
for the truth for the God of Israel, for Yahweh. And he's at a time where he's in a battle against the Canaanite god Baal, who's the god of rain and thunder and lightning and, and in a sense, fertility with Baal and Ashtoreth. And they're leading people into a huge, huge explosion of sexual immorality. These, these worship places were just created to be places where people just go nuts, do whatever you want. And Elijah was trying to draw people back to God in Israel. And so in the beginning of this fight, it says sometime later, the, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. He'd been living by a brook where it had at least a little water where he wouldn't die of thirst. And the word of the Lord said, go at once to Zarephath. Is that underlined? Yeah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, isn't this funny? Whereas you look at this, God says, I've got a widow for you who's going to help you and supply you with food. Guess what? He didn't tell the widow. And I thought, that's exactly what God does. We were starting Kensington. We were like, you know, Dave, Mark, our whole team, we were like, you know, Rick Warren had told us, listen, great people are going to join you. And I, I should have added back then, and they don't even know it yet. Joke's on you. Right? Joke's on you. God, God had you in mind to be a part of this journey. And so he says, would you bring me a, 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 a jar of water? And she does. And she says, is surely, uh, oh, then he goes on, um, oh, but the piece of bread. She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives. Okay, that's a, that's a key. She, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I thought about all this all week. I thought our friends in Afghanistan, some of them are literally eating meals together and not knowing it's going to be their last meal. So I've never felt that. I've never had that level of despair. I don't, e I don't even have the first clue of how terrible that must be. But I but I can at least imagine that it's far beyond anything that I can think. And then Elijah just says something incredible. He says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Like, do it. Go make the bread. Eat it. Prepare to die. But he says, I want to tell you something. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. Seems unreasonable, does it? For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah told her, and there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is one of those principles where you learn love is a renewable resource. And you know what I've learned too in making strangers? Just a little, it's a bonus tip. You can, you can leave cash on the stage for me. This is, this is worth it. Bonus tip, sometimes the greatest way of turning a stranger into a friend is to ask them to do something for you. I happen to be a person who's lousy at everything, but I have a magic skill of inviting other people to help. Like I, I could have been Tom Sawyer. And people like being asked to help. In fact, people like being asked to help 
more, much more than they like asking for help. And so Elijah asks for help, and she does it. She has an incredible faith. So Elijah becomes God's messenger. And here's the thing I want you to know. The widow of Zarephath was not a Jew. This battle was between the, na- the soul of the nation of Israel against the Canaanites and the, and the Phoenicians and the Syrians and the Assyrians and all the people surrounding and trying to keep an identity of our people of God. And where does God send Elijah? He's a pretty important person. He sends him to a person who's the enemy and a person who's a stranger and a widow, which means she has very little to offer. She would have been at the bottom of the societal structure. She would have been the forgotten person. She would have been the drain on other people. She's a pagan. Can you believe what she believes? Oh, my gosh. I want nothing to do with her. God says, Elijah, man, she matters to me. You, you go. She's going to help you, and you're going to be a blessing to her and her son. That's how God works. So as you think about this, I want to give you three tips for this first part of this series. And uh, then I'm going to have Matthias come up and sing. Aaron Jones wrote the most beautiful song a couple years ago. And I don't know if we've ever sung it. I asked Matthias when he comes up in a few minutes, but we've we ever sung it here, been closing for him just to sing, sing this song because it so perfectly captures following God into the adventure. But I want to say that three things happen with Elijah that all of us can do. All of us can do. You can be the youngest person in this room, you can do this, is notice your neighbor. Notice the person God is bringing. It might be a, if you're in elementary school right now, it might be God brings a new kid to your class and they feel lonely and out of place. And maybe it's just asking them to sit at the lunchroom cafeteria with you. I, this is for anybody. Remember that God is inviting us to do this. Notice our neighbor. Elijah noticed where God was sending him. He saw the widow picking up sticks. He wasn't looking past her. He noticed her desperation. Secondly, meet the needs. And I would say, I would actually change it if I, if I could. I'd say meet the needs and ask for needs. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Meet the needs and ask for needs. I must mean Matthias is here. Have we ever sung this? Have we ever sung Aaron's song on the stage? This is beautiful. And Matthias sings it beautifully. I, I've been giving him vocal coaching the last year. And he's really improving, you guys. So meet the needs. Ask for needs. And then third is renew your vision. Renew your vision. I'd love for you to even take a screen to say, Lord, and it's just one question, is who am I not seeing? Who am I not seeing? Because we're, we're all invisible to people. And what if God starts to open up our eyes, we start to see people, start to see strangers, start to see enemies, start to see the lonely, start to see people that are, that are writing us off, but actually would respond to a kind word. I don't know. But we need a renewed vision because we to notice what God is doing. And I want to finish with this, I'm gonna, and I'm going to pray. Is Justin and Jenny moved in their neighborhood 13 years ago, and they had the most phenomenal idea. They didn't have kids yet, and they said, we got, they really thought, felt like God had taken them to this neighborhood. And none of the dishes were unpacked yet. It was their first night. They had carry out. All they had was paper plates and plastic forks. And they turn to each other and say, gosh, we've met a few of our neighbors today. We, we need to know our neighbors. Look at that. That's a plate they started 13 years ago 
it's, it hangs in their kitchen and they take it down when they learn something new about the people in their neighborhood, which includes, look at that, mailman Norm. How great is that? There's Lauren, Phyllis, and Don right there. Here's kids, Emma, Margaret, Elizabeth. This is, you know, the husband had to close her business last year. Nathan's a youth pastor in the area, Mike and Maureen. You know, this is their neighborhood. You know what happened in COVID? In COVID, because people couldn't go out, they started having gatherings in the street in front of their house, and people would come. Because you know what? It's true. They say every human being is born, every child, every baby is born in this world looking for someone to look at them. Because everybody's born a stranger. But Jesus invited us to be neighbors. Why? Because Jesus became our neighbor and said, would you be my neighbor? So we get to live this out, and I'm excited where the next couple weeks is going to go. So Lord, help us, like just open up our eyes to see the people that we need to see. And Lord, what, what would we be individually and as a community if we just saw people and saw people that we hadn't seen before? No matter how marginalized or different than us, that we'd have your heart of love. Jesus, this is what we want. After your heart, God, cause you're the one I'll follow. Land on your word and let love guide the way. I'm gonna let love guide the way. I'm gonna let love guide the way. Have a love that saturates my neighbor. Serve them until they meet your wonder. Promote their dreams, cause it's the one that matters. I wanna hear you say, well done. I wanna hear you say, 
Cause I wanna fly past my self-serving ego Soar through the sky to see the ones in need Chase after your heart, God, cause you're the one I'll follow Land on your word and let love guide the way yeah, I want to fly past my self-serving ego Soar through the sky to see the ones in need Chase after your heart, cause you're the one I'll follow I'll land on your word and let love guide the way I'm gonna let love guide the way Gonna let love guide the way. I'm gonna let love guide the way. And let love guide the way. And that a beautiful vision. What a vision for life. God. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Matthias. So make your paper plate or a sheet of paper. Like start thinking of who your, you know, your neighbors here, your neighbors far away. Who are the people God's calling you to? Let love, let Jesus love guide the way. What an adventure. What a great way to live. Love that. I'm just so glad. God led me to you. You know, God led me to here. You know, when I was in Memphis, you know, as a kid, I, I remember as a kid thinking, you know, if I really play my cards right, I could end up living my whole life in Detroit. If I just really strategically, like, make it, like, all the, the stars align come together. I had no idea that Jesus was bringing me here to be the most wonderful people of my life, right? And get to live that in journey. And every one of them has been imperfect beautifully and perfectly designed. And each one of you, and those of you that are on the stream, you're perfectly designed to do things that God is calling you to do. So Jesus, send us out. Let your love lead the way. Thank you for Matthias and the band and all the tech team, all the kids workers, all the welcomers. Lord, thank you for all the small group leaders and, the, and all, the th all, all the teams of people that are working all the ministries we celebrate today. Lord, let your love guide the way. Help, get, help us get past our self-serving ego and be free to soar with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful to be with you. See you. There's prayer back the room with the light on. You can pray back there and enjoy each other as you go out. See you. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.